Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry of Lake Mount Worship Center, and we are on a mission to connect young adults to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We meet every Monday night at 7 p.m., and we'd love to have you join us. You can find more information on our socials, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the message for this week. Yeah, all right, everybody. Everyone good? Great. We're going to get into the Word of God tonight, digging into our series on the call of God. And uh, we've looked at a number of people from Scripture and their calling, the call of Jonah, Isaiah, David, Moses, Matthew last week, the Apostle Paul a few weeks ago. Basically, the whole purpose of digging into this series is, again, looking at the way that God interacts with people. That's what the Bible shows us, by the way. When we read God's word, we learn the way that God does stuff. And so it's not just a manual. We actually look at this is, this is how God interacts with people. When we read God's word, we're not just supposed to put it on the shelf and go, okay, those are like exceptional Bible people, Bible characters that God did cool stuff with, and now we just sit back and appreciate that. That's not how to read God's word. That, like God has no favorites, right? So I couldn't, I couldn't be deemed to be a father without favorites if I saved up a bunch of money and gave it to my daughter and said, you know, pick what school you want to go to and here's enough money to buy a house. And to my son, I was like, isn't it encouraging that I did that for your sister? Okay. So we actually believe that God is the great I am, not the great I used to. So when, when we read scripture, it's like this, these are the ways of God. This is how God deals with people. So it's teaching us not just remote spiritual Bible knowledge. It's teaching us applicable understanding of the way that God works, the way that God deals with people. And um, the, the, the particulars of a calling, the purpose of understanding your calling is basically a calling answers the question, why should I listen to you? That's really, that's really what it does. Why, why should I listen to you? Uh, because you're just going to get up and say, oh, yeah, I've got something to say. Well, lots of people have things to say, but the call of God actually sets that apart. I'll tell you a story. A few weeks ago, uh, Lisa and I went over to the States. Uh, I don't want to brag, but we are Sam's Club members. We have cards and everything with our pictures on it. Sam's Club. I know. And uh, so we were over there at Sam's Club, and uh, we went into the store, did a little bit of shopping, came out. If you don't know what Sam's Club is, it's basically American Costco, okay, run by the same people who run Walmart. You can get an 85-inch television at Sam's Club for 1000 bucks. That's worth it right there. Anyway, we come out from shopping, and some guy is standing next to my truck, and he's just, he's just, he's, you know those guys, you can just tell, like, the body language is like, oh, this is going to be fun, right? Like, hand on his hip, just waiting for me to show up. And he's, you know, he's got his phone on. He's like, um, yeah. Conversation never goes well after, um, yeah. So he's like, um, yeah. You see here? where your trailer hitch looks like it touched my car. I'm like, where, where does it look like it touched it? And he's like, right down here, I'm like, do, do you, this, you might have a less opinion of me, but this is the conversation I actually have. I'm like, do you understand physics? Like, <laughs> do you see where my trailer hitch is and where you're, you're saying that this bumper is like, yeah, well, that, that's, that's the, you, you did. I'm like, sir, it's impossible. And there was no one behind me when I got here. So if it did happen, you did it. 
I said, so I mean no disrespect, but there's no way what you're describing happened. He's like, well, we'll just wait until the police get here and they'll figure it out. I'm like, okay, you wait. And I got in my truck and drove away. So <laughs> the point of that story is, <laughs> is to, it answers the question, why should I listen to you, right? Like some guy just standing there making stuff up. I don't have a reason to listen to you. Now, if, if it was a cop standing there saying, hey, we have to investigate that, it's okay. I have to listen. Like, what is it that you're seeing? But this guy thinks like the laws of physics were warped in the Sam's Club parking lot. And I'm like, I don't have to, I don't have to stand here and listen to this, right? Uh, you know, someone who has read all about the law might buy a radar gun and watch you rip through a neighborhood and you're doing 60 in a 40. And they come over and they pull you over and they're like, you, you can't do that. It's like, why do I have to listen to you? Well, because you were speeding. You might be right, but you don't have the authority. You don't have the endorsement. You might even be right, but you... The reason I listen to a police officer is that to have authority, you need to be under authority. You can't just appoint yourself a cop. You can't just appoint yourself a preacher. You can't just appoint yourself a called one. You actually need a calling from God. Are you, are you following? That, that, so the whole purpose of exploring calling is, is digging in to answer the question, why should I listen to you? I want us tonight to take a look at the call of God of the prophet Jeremiah. Anyone want to guess where we're going to find his story? Well, the Bible, but what book? <laughs> if you guess Jeremiah, you're right. So if you have your Bibles, go to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, use it on your phone, but just make sure that your phone for the next little while is a Bible, all right? And we're just going to look at the call of God to Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah... We're looking at his call. The rest of the book, after chapter 1, is him fulfilling his call. It's him walking in the message and the word that the Lord had given to him for his generation. The word that God gave Jeremiah, just try this on for a sec. The word that God gave to Jeremiah for his generation was hard. It was difficult. It wasn't popular. It wasn't what we would refer to as common sense. If the word of God was simply common sense, we'd have no need of the word of God because we would just commonly get it. What God has to say wants to adjust wrong ways of thinking. And most wrong ways of thinking are systemically bred into a culture that it seems like a foregone conclusion that it's right. God needs to adjust stuff like that. That's what his word does. Jeremiah had a challenging assignment, and it's in the calling. We're going to look at it tonight. But Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Like basically, you remember that crying meme that was like big about a year ago? Where everyone was <laughs> right, just the crying face. He just cried all the time. He was weeping all the time because he was, actually, he was actually overcome with emotion on the weight of the message that he had to deliver. He was broken. He wasn't, he wasn't just coming pointing his finger. Like you can talk down to somebody or you can call somebody higher. The posture is the same, but the attitude is what changes it. If I'm speaking down to you or I'm calling you up, that has to do with my heart. Jeremiah was trying to call people up into the purpose of God in his generation. And he was broken about it. He was sad about it. He was grieved because God was talking about judgment that was coming. I just Spoiler alert, the New Testament doesn't introduce us to a new God. So when we're reading about 
Jeremiah and, and the word of the Lord in the Old Testament. It's not like, whew, praise God that, you know, praise God. God had a wardrobe change in the New Testament, and he, now he's just happy all the time. The, the reality is, is that we still have to live in such a way as to please God. And so there's relevance to God's word uh, in Old and New Testament for us right here, right now. Jeremiah, what I want to do is let's just kind of go verse by verse, and we're just going to, we're just going to pick out some things that stand out about the call of God. Um, we'll, we'll go quickly here. I've got, <laughs> got seven things from these verses. Okay. Verse four. Ready? You guys ready? You good? All right. Verse four. The word of the Lord came to me saying, that's verse four. Okay. The call of God. Number one, if you're going to write down some notes, the call of God comes by the word of the Lord. Okay, it's not a matter of ambition. It's not a career choice. I remember when I was youth pastoring, years ago I was youth pastoring in Welland. Um, shout out to the Rose City of Niagara. Okay, so I was youth pastoring there, and um, there was a, you know, it was like my first week there, and this guy comes up to me, he's like, oh, youth pastor, where'd you go to Bible college? And I said, oh, I told him the school that I went to. He's like, hmm, I went to that school too. Too bad they don't tell you when you go to that school that there aren't enough jobs. They just give you the certificate, and then there aren't enough pastor jobs out there. And I was just like, what? Like, where did you think you went to school? Like, computer tech school? Like, did you think you were, like, going to just, like, you, think, you thought this was a career path? Like, literally, it was like, I went to Bible college. They should have made me a pastor. I was like, okay, doesn't work like that. There's a call. That is invisible. There's a call that comes from God. It's not just, hey, you know what? You know what I think would be a cool job? Being a pastor or be, being a youth pastor. That would be great. I could play dodgeball and eat pizza all the time, right? Like, <laughs> the reality is, okay, it's not a career path. It's not a matter of ambition. It's not a matter of, a, of enough people saying to you, I think you'd be good at that. It's not just like you seem to have the personality or the skill. I think in North America, we've screwed that up so much that we actually have a bunch of personality-driven churches because calling, and I'm just, I'm saying in general, where you see a lot of things derail is because it's built around a personality. It's not built around a call. It's not built around a grace that came from God. Now, I'm not saying that of everybody. Obviously, I'm saying where we see a lot of derailed uh, circumstances and a lot of crash and burn scenarios. It's like, the call of God, listen, the call of God will keep you in the purpose of God when everything else demands that you quit. When you have a calling, you can't quit. Because there's something in you that says, this, this is, I, I was chosen for this. I didn't choose this. God chose me for this. I've heard it said that if you could do something else, other than, like, do you, how do you want to know if you're, you're called? Well, if you could do something else and really enjoy your life, you're not called. Go do that. Like the call, the call of God will keep you when everything demands that you quit. And it comes by the word of the Lord. That's what verse 4 says. The word of the Lord came to me. The call of God, again, it's not ambition and it's not just a career pursuit. It's that the word of the Lord comes to you. Verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. The second point, number two, is the call of God is God's choice. Meaning that it's God's choice sovereignly. It had nothing to do with anything that Jeremiah did that God was like, 
you know, I need someone who's a prophet, and this guy is really good. He's got the gift of gab. I need someone who can speak to the nation, and this guy's got a lot of political connections. That's not how the call of God works. What does it say? Before you were even born, I called you. Before you had any skills, before you had any kind of demonstrable relational connection, God said, your authority, the reason why people should listen to you is because I called you. Not because you're well-connected or good-looking or you play the part or people like you. That has nothing to do with it. It's has God called you or not. Before you were born, God says. I mean, there's a whole other teaching in here about the value of life in the womb that is right here in the scripture that God actually speaks. He says, I knew you before you were born. While you were being formed, I had a relationship with you. God actually sees value in life at its conception. And God has a purpose, hear me, for your life that goes beyond what you've done to impress him. It's, it's beyond you. It's beyond what you bring to the table. And again, an, another spoiler alert, whatever it is that you bring to the table, God gave that to you anyways. God put that skill in you. He put that ability in you. God isn't impressed with the ability. He would be more impressed with the, the way that you turn that ability over to him for his glory. But God's not impressed like, wow, you can play the piano? <laughs> That's amazing. Right? Like God's not like, well, I need someone who plays the piano, so I guess I'll choose you. Like God actually puts the gifts into you. And he calls you. And it's the call, hear me, it's the call that qualifies you. It's not your gifts that qualify you. There's a lot of people whose ministry is built around their gifts, and that's fine. But, but the ministry needs to be built around your calling, and the gifts will just complement it. Like there was a time in my life where most people watching from the outside would have thought that, that the primary or even the only gift, probably a lot of people would have thought the only gift on my life would have been musical and, and, and leading worship. There would have been a time that that would have been like, yeah, that's what we think of when we think of him. If I let my gifts determine my call, I would have only stayed in that. I don't mean only. I just would have been isolated to that area where God had gifted me. But listen, the call of God is beyond your gift. And so God says to Jeremiah, I called you when you were in the womb before you even knew what you were good at, before you could ever do anything to impress me. I put my hand on you and I'm drawing you into my purpose. This is a little thing theologically we call the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. What's that mean? God knows everything. God knows the end from the beginning. He stands outside of time. He knows your birthday. He knows your funeral, everything in between. God's all places all the time. And in his sovereignty, he chooses whom he will. It's God's choice. Verse 6. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said. I do not, how to sp do not know how to speak. <laughs> Literally, I screwed that up, and that was an accident. <laughs> I do not who to know speak, right? I must speak. I know speaking. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said. I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. Thirdly, the call of God is not gift-based, nor is it age-based. This guy's going to speak for God. He's going to speak for a living, and by his own admission, he's not very good at it, and he's too young. 
Can you imagine? Like God is speaking to Jeremiah. That just, that's pretty amazing. God's like, hey, Jeremiah, before I knew you, or before, <laughs> I not speak good. Before you were born, before you were even born, I knew you. And I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah's like, I can't speak very good and I'm too young. So what's he saying? Hey, God, that's cool and everything. And you're sovereign and you know everything, but you're wrong. You chose the wrong guy. Okay, so how you, how you talk about yourself matters. Because if you successfully talk yourself out of the call of God, it doesn't mean that you are right. It means that you are disobedient. Period. Like God cannot be wrong. If you get into an argument with God, I know who wins. And even if you disobey, you still lost. You're wrong. Like ultimately, like, well, if God really wanted, like some of the things that we say and think are so theologically and intellectually short-sighted. Well, if God really wanted me to, he could just make me. Is that really what you want? God's just like, first of all, I mean, the Bible is an open book test. You can read it. This isn't how God, God doesn't take people over and just run them. Well, no, I'm going to use you. And you're just standing at the front. I am preaching. I do not have any control. God wants you to come to Jesus. Like that's not, right? That's not how God does it. Well, if God really wants me to, he could make me. Really, I don't think you want God to make you do something. Humble yourself. Before, like being humbled by God. Like if you've ever prayed, God humble me. Repent right now and ask him to just cancel that one. That's a, di- like, that's a dumb prayer. God, humble me. No, don't pray that. Humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord. There's a biblical thought. Humble yourself. Okay? So this guy is he's arguing with the Lord. I'm not, I'm not good at what you're calling me to. And God's like, yeah, um, I wasn't talking about your skill or your age. The call of God is not skill-based, gift-based, or age-based. One of my favorite worship leaders when I was growing up and just, you know, cultivating a heart for worship as a teenager, I was listening to this, uh, <laughs> this will take you back. I was listening to a cassette. You guys don't even know what those are. I was listening to a worship cassette called Youth Alive from Australia before anybody knew that Australia was cool. And, and there was this guy who started a ministry called Youth Alive, and it was worship-based. And most of the people in that worship ministry went and helped start churches in, uh, in Australia, churches that you would all know. And the worship leader's name was a guy by the name of Pat Mazzitti. And Pat Mazzitti couldn't sing to save his life. He was, he, was, he was a horrible singer. And he was a fantastic worship leader. And that's why he was one of my favorites. Because it taught me something. It's, it's not about your voice. It's not even about the skill, per se. It's about the skill in the anointing. It's about a heart for God. And so, like, I would listen to this cassette, and you could feel God. You could feel the presence of God. And basically, he was just like, he was like a coach on the field. That was how he led worship. And he'd be like, he would like, like on the, I could still hear him be like, Lucy Fisher. And like, that was then, he was Australian, so that's how it sounded. That was a pretty good Australian accent, guys. Crikey. So he goes, Lucy Fisher. And then she'd start singing, and he was like, and then he'd like try to get the verses going. There's this one song, okay, 
it sounds a little like 80s, but it's like, it's, the song was Rise Up, People of Power. <laughs> I was just remember, and he's like, Rise Up, People of Power. And it was like, really? Like, this is him singing? And he's basically, he's just kind of got the microphone there. He's trying to get them to sing it. But God was using him. And God used to, actually, the, the leaders that he developed and the worship leaders that he developed went on to be a part of Hillsong Worship, Planet Shakers Worship, C3 worship churches that are shaping the planet. Those people were at this in this youth movement that God was shaping them by a guy who was anointed to lead worship and he couldn't sing. So the call of God on your life, if you're disqualifying yourself, you might be humble, but you also might be wrong. And if you're wrong and humble, it means your humility is false. It's false humility. It means that you are, I, I don't know what you're, you're waiting for a parade or something. You're like, I can't do it. And you're waiting for everyone to come in and pump your tires. Yes, you can. You're amazing. You're the best worship leader I've ever heard. I can't sing. You ever talk to somebody who can't take a compliment? And, and it's like they're fishing for one the whole time. And you're just like, hey, man, you did a great job leading worship tonight. And they're like, no, I didn't. I sang a flat note, and I had a broken guitar string. No, really, it was good. Did you really think so? I don't know. And you're like, I'm sorry I even said anything. You suck, right? <laughs> and that's not what you do because you're Christian. But, okay, but the, the idea that I'm getting at here is beyond your gift, if there's a call in your life, it's been said this way, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And sometimes God likes to take the weak things to, foolish, to, to shame the strong, the foolish things to shame the wise. God actually likes to just kind of use someone that is like, how, how are they doing that? Almost frustrates the really gifted people, like, I'm better than that. Here's, here's the cool thing about this. The most gifted people don't get to lead. The prettiest people don't get to lead. The, 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 the most talented people. It's not about having the best idea. It's about a call. It's about having the, the grace that God's placed on your life. And God will surround you with talents and things that you need. But often he'll do that with people around you as well who have the talents that you need around you. Okay? It's also not age-based. This is what the Apostle Paul said to his spiritual son, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4.12. He said, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, and in faith, and in purity. Okay? The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, who was a young pastor, and he's pastoring... The Apostle Paul plants this church in Ephesus, and then he puts Timothy in there. Those are some big shoes to fill. And you can read between the lines when you read First and Second Timothy that this guy, you know, was kind of nervous. He kind of had anxiety. He kind of was insecure and felt unsure of himself. And so always in the letter, Paul's just like, hey, man, just like God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but love, power, and sound mind. And I know you have stomach trouble, so like, you know, just, you know, take it easy. And like, right, like this is how God, this is how, how Paul talks to Timothy. And here he says to him, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. In other words, the onus is on you. If old people don't respect you, that's not their problem, it's yours. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. So what does that mean? Do you have to just go around and, and just say, you know, the magic words of 2023, I'm offended? I can't believe he said that to me, I'm offended. No, that doesn't earn your respect. It just 
earns you a wide berth. Everyone just stays out of your way. Okay? If you want respect, you have to actually earn it. And that's what Paul says. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but instead set an example. Like you can't just demand respect. You actually have to earn it. And so Paul says to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. And he's like, yeah, right. And he's like, so set an example. Like be exemplary. Be better in all of those areas. Set an example in your life and in your love and your speech and your faith, your conduct and your purity. Set the example. Like don't grow into it. Can I just say this for free? Like this culture, we just, we have this whole idea like you become a teenager and then you just go crazy for a bit and then you settle down in your mid-20s. It's like that is not how most cultures have ever thought and it's certainly not the biblical cultures from which we get scripture. In biblical culture, in Jewish culture, when you turn 13, you were a man. A man at 13. You're like, okay, okay I'm helping dad run the business, right? Like, like, like when you read the Christmas story and Mary is like, you know, I'm a, I'm a virgin and I'm betrothed to be married. Why is she betrothed? Because she's too young to get married. She's like 14, 15, she's having a kid. Like, what? Like when you're reading the Christmas story, that's, that's it. It's like a 15-year-old girl. And she's like, I'm going to have no big deal. I'm going to give birth to the Son of God. No pressure. I hope I don't lose him at the mall, right? This idea that you can have a season of your life to just go crazy and then settle down is a lie from the culture out there. The Word of God says to you, I'm saying to you out of the Word of God, don't let anyone look down. Like, no one's going to take you seriously if you're not taking yourself seriously. I get to say this. Like, no one's going to take you seriously. Like, hey, I want some responsibility, you know? Why don't I get to do some things? How come nobody asks me to do stuff? Well, be respectable. That's what Paul said. Don't let anyone look down on you. Okay, well, I insist everyone look up to me. Well, they can't. You have to set an example. You want me to set an example beyond the people who have way more life experience than me? Yep. How can I do that with the help of the Holy Spirit? Don't wait to grow up. Do it now. Don't, don't look at some other version of yourself in the future. Like, there will be an older, wiser version of me that everyone will take seriously. When does that start? When do you start acting like that guy? When do you start acting like that girl? When, when do you start taking yourself seriously? When? I got an idea. How about now? Start now. Yeah, but I just want to sow my wild oats. I don't even know what sow my wild oats means, by the way. I don't know what wild oats are. But I'm, I'm going to sow them. Why? Well, because I'm 23. Yeah. I'm going to sow me some wild oats. Why? I don't know. This is what everybody does. How about not? Because the call of God isn't gift-based, nor is it age-based. You don't grow into the call of God in terms of chronology. You grow into it in terms of submission. You could learn to submit early and, and excel in the call of God. You don't have to be old to be taken seriously. I started pastoring this church. I was 33 years old. I was already on staff for five years before that as the associate. I, I started pastoring. I was if I had to wait to earn the right to speak into this congregation, like because, well, I'll take my liberties with people that are younger than me. Everybody was older than me. <laughs> what am I going to do? Just like, sorry, I really don't have anything to say. I'm only 33. What could I possibly say? Why don't you take the mic? 
Like, I'll let you in on this right now. There might be some people who have 50, like, they're 50 years saved, but they're spiritually one years old with 49 years of lapse. <laughs> like, just because you've been a Christian for a long time doesn't mean you're a mature Christian. They're like, they're like Buddy the Elf in school, right? You know, like, just monster over the desk. So what am I saying? I'm saying, why not take seriously the call of God on your life to set an example and live hardcore for Jesus and like set an example in every area of your life and your love and your conduct and your speech and your faith and your purity. You want me to set an example in purity? Look at all of the stuff that we're facing that my parents' generation didn't have to face. Perfect. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Light it up now. Do it now. Be an example now. No better time than now, no better generation than now to set an example because the call of God isn't uh, gift-based or age-based, okay? Verse 7, the argument between God and Jeremiah continues. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. So number four, the call of God is developed by obedience, Again, don't talk down to yourself. Your self-talk needs to be encouraging. If you're like, I don't talk to myself, um, you just did. <laughs> like if, I, if, if I'm up here saying your self-talk needs to be encouraging and you're like, I don't talk to myself, what do you mean you're like? You just said to yourself, I don't talk to myself. <laughs> That's ironic, right? Make sure your self-talk is encouraging. I don't talk to myself. Well, who are you talking to right now? I don't know. Not myself. That guy's stupid. Who are you saying that to? I don't know. Myself. <laughs> your self-talk needs to be encouraging, okay? Build yourself up. Okay? Hit Lisa funny. Okay. <laughs> don't say, I'm only a child. In other words, God's saying, I'm right, you're wrong. Don't argue with me. I've called you. Get on my page. So I, I, I'm putting 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. I'm putting it into your face. It's the word of the Lord. That's God saying to you, live at a higher level than you're giving yourself a hall pass for. Yeah, but everyone else. Yeah, do you want to be everyone else? Do you want the results of everyone else? Or do you want to live at a godly level and make a difference with your life? What does everyone else get for screwing around? Screw around, find out, right? So Okay, so... So, <laughs> okay, sorry, I'm, I'll just preach in memes tonight. Okay, so, <laughs> then he says, God says, you need to go to everyone I say, and you need to tell them everything I say. Obedience is not selective, it's total. Go to everyone I say, and tell them everything I say. The call of God is developed by obedience. The only way that you will ever find promotion in the kingdom of God. The only way. You can write this down. You can take this to the bank. You can study the Bible. Try to prove me wrong. I dare you. Go and study the word and prove this to be wrong and you won't be able to. The only way that you will find promotion in the kingdom of God is through faithfulness. Faithfulness, which is connected to obedience. It's just serving. It's just being faithful. Like we talked about David a number of weeks ago when he was called. 
God's looking for the next king of Israel. And he chooses David. What's David doing? He's looking after sheep. He's just being faithful. He's just serving his dad. And his dad didn't even like call him and say, hey, there's a prophet coming by, going to anoint the next king. He's like, well, I'm sure it's not you. You need to look after the sheep. He's just serving faithfully. He's like, well, I guess I missed my moment. And then God finds him. And then what? Then when he's anointed to be king, the next verse says that David goes back to tending the sheep of his father. Why? Because when God anoints you, you don't have to go elbowing your way to the front of the room and try to put, I'm super anointed and you need to give me a chance. I've been to Bible college. How come I don't get a turn? Hey, I've, I led worship one time at this cool thing. How come I don't get a crack at a microphone around here? Guess what? I played the guitar at my last church. All right. Are, are you done yet? Like the, the fact is, serving and faithfulness wherever, wherever you get a chance to serve, don't look for it to be something else. Just serve your butt off and watch what God will do. And God says to Jeremiah, don't argue with me about thinking you're too young. I've called you. Now you need to go everywhere I send you and tell to, to everyone that I send you and tell them everything that I tell you to say. Obedience is total. It's not selective. Some of you in this room, you're waiting on God for a word of direction for your life. Here's the word. You need to go back and do what he told you the last time that you asked him for a word. You're like, I need a word from God. And God's like, he's, he's giving you something to do. And you're just like, yeah, I didn't like that one. God, give me a fresh one. God, call me, send me, use me. And then he puts somebody on your heart. And you're like, yeah, not that guy. Call me, Lord. Use my life. I'm going to cry when I sing. You know, if you want my heart, you got it. <laughs> you can take the whole thing, God. And then you're like, God, um, please call me. He's like, yeah, do what I told you last time. That's your word. Be faithful with what he's already shown you. Be faithful where you are. Be faithful in the relationships that you have. Be faithful in the work that you have. Be faithful in the school that you have. Be faithful in the friendships and the realms of relationship that you have. If you'll be faithful, God will use you. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. It's the only way to promotion in the kingdom of God. God says to Jeremiah, you need to go and tell them everything I tell you to say. Can I just tell you this? What you want to say is not as important as what God calls you to say. Everybody in this room has opinions. Most people aren't interested in them. What matters most is the word of God. Faithfulness to God's word. Being opinionated is not the same as having conviction. So like if nobody asked your opinion on something, you don't have, like you could try this. Maybe just don't say anything and see what happens. It's probably going to be okay. This is like what my parents' generation is trying to figure out on Facebook as they type in all capital letters. I can't believe what Fox News just said, you know. I can't believe what CNN said. And they're literally expecting all their friends to be like, what did they say? Oh, my gosh, I agree with you. Or I can, you know, It's just, it's crazy. They're just opinions. But God, God didn't say, hey, Jeremiah, I want you to just go spread your opinions around because I anointed you. That's not what he said. He said, you need to go everywhere that I send you and tell the people everything I tell you to say. The call is developed by obedience. Verse 8, God's continuing to speak to Jeremiah. He says, do not be afraid of them, for I'm with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. 
Number five, the call of God requires courage to fulfill. If you're going to be called by God in this generation, God will not call you to blend in. And God, like God's anointing, the, the power of his spirit on your life makes it impossible to blend in anyways. Like if you, if you read what the anointing produced in Jesus and in the apostles and you're just like, you know, these guys are just walking around. Like Peter's walking around and his shadow is like filled with anointing and people that are sick are getting healed. Like how do you just play that off as nothing? Well, what's, I don't know. Everywhere this guy goes, people are getting healed. They're just like, wave your shadow over me. Like, well, I'm just, I'm just a guy. The fact is, if you, if you want to blend in, don't ask God for anointing. If you want to blend in, don't ask God to call you. Call you to what? Be like everybody else? That's literally the opposite of being holy. Holy is being set apart. It's, it's the opposite of being like everybody else. We made an idol for the last 20 years in the church in Canada. We made an idol out of relevance. We made an idol out of, oh, we want everybody to like us. Okay, what happens when that works? Hey, don't say anything that we don't agree with or we're going to get upset. All right. There's courage. God is saying to him, you need to go... Everywhere that I send you, to everyone I send you, and say whatever I command, and don't be afraid. Why would God say don't be afraid unless it was connected to the stuff that he was telling them to say? I'm going to tell you to go to some people. I'm going to tell you to say some things, but don't be afraid. Do you want me to say that? If you read the book of Jeremiah, like he goes into the king's court, and he's like, yeah, so Babylon is coming, and there's a bunch of prophets around here that are telling you everything's going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. You guys are going to be taken into captivity for 70 years. And uh, it's because your disobedience is piled up. And so this whole nation is going down. And I'm just telling you so that when it happens, you can actually repent and get your heart right with God. And they get so mad at him, they throw Jeremiah into an empty cistern that's like where they store water. And so the bottom of it is all muck. And he gets, he's sinking in it. He's like slowly sinking in quicksand. And then the city gets captured by the Babylonians. <laughs> this, okay. The city gets captured by the Babylonians. And Jeremiah's just sinking in the quicksand. And he's like, I was right. Right? <laughs> and he's just sinking. And the king who's taken captive actually asked the king who's taken him captive. He's like, actually, can I ask you a solid? Could you send somebody to get this prophet? I threw him into a cistern, and it turns out he's right. Okay. He just wasn't a weeping prophet for no reason. Like, it's just, he's, he's obeying. God's like, I need you to say an unpopular truth. There's, there's truth right now. Truth, truth itself in our culture, truth itself is unpopular. In this culture, they openly talk about being post-truth, which is really saying post-facts. Like it's not about facts. And it's not about science. It's all about feelings. And it's, it's about how, how if it, there's some unpopular truth that just because it's unpopular doesn't mean it's not true anymore. And so if, if we're going to fulfill the call of God in this generation, it's going to require some courage. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9, God says this. He says, as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your ways. The stuff that God wants to convey to this generation isn't how everyone thinks. It's the way God thinks. And it's on a different level. And he's, it's going to take some courage Jesus said to his disciples, he said, you know, you're going to preach for me. Here's a sales pitch. 
to become a disciple. He's like, you're going to preach for me, and they're going to drag you into court and persecute you. But he's like, but don't worry about what to say. I'll give you what to say in the moment. Okay. It's going to take some courage to fulfill the call of God. Like, if you think the call of God is platforms and lights and smoke machines and fame, wrong, wrong thought, wrong answer. It's in the trenches with people whose minds are being warped by the spirit of the age and the spirit of God puts truth into you that speaks truth above and beyond that spirit of the age. And though it is offensive in the moment, though the goal is not to offend, truth has to be spoken in order to be received. And if a doctor did an examination on you and discovered that you had a serious disease requiring surgery and some treatment, and if that doctor was like, ah, oh, he's just so young, I'm just going to ruin his weekend. I can't tell him. I'm not telling him that. That's just not going to be nice. That doctor should lose his credentials. Why? Because he, because he or she is not worth the credential if they're unwilling to speak an uncomfortable truth. We talked about that last week, didn't we? How Jesus said that it, I've not come to call the healthy. I've come to call the sick. I've not come to call the righteous. I've come to call the unrighteous. That same doctoral approach of actually saying an uncomfortable truth because this is the truth that will heal you. This is the truth that will save you. This is the call that is going to require some courage. Verse 9. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and said to me, Now I've put my words in your mouth. Number nine, the call, or sorry, number six, the call of God requires a touch of God. You're going to need the touch of God on your life to fulfill what God has for you. You're going to need an anointing. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 4. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the, the poor, the, re the recovery of sight for the blind, freedom for the prisoners, and to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The anointing of God on your life will do the same thing. It will cause for blinded eyes to be opened physically but also spiritually. It will cause for people that are in bondage physically but also spiritually, primarily spiritually. It's not a whole lot of anointed jail ministry where you're just walking around, be free, and jails are popping open. You're like, sorry. <laughs> like, I know he's guilty, but can't lock those doors when I'm around. Like, it's actually, it's actually about having an anointing that sets people free from bondage. You know, there's people that you are, are walking with every day, you're in class with every day, you're working with every day, that they're actually in bondage. Invisible chains are on them. They're bound like they started out curious about pornography now they're bound they, they, they can't get free of it. It, it, it they don't have a problem the problem has them consumed by it they're bound by invisible chains people bound into addiction people bound into greed people bound into ways of thinking that are self-destructive but the spirit of god a touch of god on your life actually sets people free. That's what the anointing is for. That's what the presence of God is on your life for. If all God wanted to do is save you so that you don't go to hell, he would just take you to heaven the minute you get saved. You're here for a purpose. God's not going to preach. He's asking you to do it. He's sending you into your generation, sending you into the, 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 the people that you know. Okay, final verse. 
Final point, verse 10. God says, see, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Finally, number seven, the call of God tears down evil and it builds up good. Before good can be built, evil needs to be removed. Think of it like home renovation. If you've ever lived through a home renovation, say you're putting in a new kitchen. You don't just put a new kitchen on top of the old one. Why? Well, in a word, because that's stupid. Why is it stupid? Because it doesn't work. You got all these cupboards and countertops and sinks and fridges and stuff, and you're like, I want, a, imagine bringing in a contract. I want it. Here's my vision for my kitchen. I don't want these cupboards. I want these ones. And I want an island, and I want a sink, and I want, I want double fridge. And, the, and they're like, okay, so we'll just tear all this. No, 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 don't tear this out. I want it. Well, where do you want it? Right here. Well, you have all this stuff here. Yeah. You can't renovate without making a mess. And you can't build something new on top of the old that needs to be removed. And God said to Jeremiah, and it's not unique to him, it's the truth of how God renovates the heart. It's the truth of how God builds lives is that you have to see that there's an, a, 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 this appointing over the nations and kingdoms. Listen, to uproot, I'm going to count it on my fingers here. Uproot, tear down, destroy, and overthrow. Okay, that's four. Build and plant, that's two. It's two to one on removal. The word of the Lord in this generation is coming, first of all, to uproot and tear down and overthrow and destroy wrong thoughts and mindsets that are controlled spiritually. Whether the world recognizes that or not, in this room we preach the word of God and I'm telling you the Christian understanding, the, the, the worldview of a child of God is there's a spiritual battle before it's just a political battle or some argument on the internet. It's spiritual. There's spiritual animus behind a lot of what's going on in the world and those things need to be uprooted and torn down, overthrown and destroyed. I'm not talking about political, and I'm not talking about argument. I'm talking about spiritually understanding that there's some things that need to get removed out of the way. And if you've, again, if you've ever lived through a renovation, it's impossible to have a renovation without dust, without dirt, without some mess. But the mess has a vision in it. The mess sees to the other side. That what is being torn out is being torn out of necessity. What's being torn out is being torn out because these things are actually harmful and damaging. And then what God wants to do is He wants to build and He wants to plant. He wants to build the kingdom of God. He wants to sow the seed of His word into ready soil. That's the call of God. And it tears down evil and it builds up good. And so my, my question for you guys tonight is what needs to be dismantled? Like think of this, just close your eyes for a sec. Think of this for yourself personally and then kind of in, in this generation. What do I mean this generation? I mean just kind of in the, in the surrounding culture around us. What needs to be dismantled? 
being easily offended. Arguing without hearing the other side. A disposal of facts and truth in preference of hurt feelings and offense. A willingness to mock anything Christian but nothing else. Think about that. I mean, if you've ever wondered if Jesus is real, mock any other religion in this culture. Good luck. Mock a Muslim. Mock, I'm not saying that I want you to do that. I'm just, what I'm, what I'm saying is, don't hear me wrong. I'm saying in this culture, that is like completely off the grid. But to mock a Christian? To mock someone who believes the Bible? If you've ever wondered if Jesus is real, that's what the Bible calls the spirit of the Antichrist. Anti-Jesus. Why is that? Well, it's because there's, there is something spiritual behind these things. Those things need to be dismantled. And what needs to be planted? What needs to be built? Well, the kingdom of God. The word of God. The seed of God's word is a potent and powerful seed. But the most potent and powerful seed, the most healthy, good seed, if I threw it into the parking lot, nothing's happening with it. Why? Because that's not an environment where seeds grow. That pavement needs to be torn out. The gravel needs to be scraped away. And the good soil, topsoil, needs to be ready and made fertile so that you can drop seed in it. That's where it grows. That's the picture of the call of God on Jeremiah. So there's two things that I want to call you to tonight. We're going to take a few moments just to personalize and, and, and apply this word, every single one of us, to just lean in and say, God, what, what does this have to do with me? Well, I think a couple of things at the very least, and I know that in a room like this, you know, one message is preached, but a hundred are heard because God's speaking and applying it to every individual heart. But I think for all of us, there'd be two things that we need to consider. Number one is we need to overcome insecurity. Jeremiah's argument. I'm too young. I can't speak. I'm not qualified. I don't have the gifts. I don't have what. We need to overcome that insecurity. We need to overcome the intimidation of speaking truth in a culture that doesn't love it. That's why we need the courage that God, God wants to bring. The courage that he spoke on to Jeremiah. Don't be afraid. Go everywhere and say what I'm telling you to say. I believe that this generation is going to require some Jeremiah's. It's going to require some people who are willing to stand and speak truth, though unpopular. To stand and speak a truth in love like a weeping prophet. Not with an angry fist. That's what I love about Jeremiah. While he spoke hard truth, his heart was soft. The tears flowed. I think we need that. I think your generation needs that. I think we need that today. A generation that will break. People of God that will break. For a generation that needs an encounter with the Lord. We need to overcome that insecurity. And then we also need that willingness. To walk in full obedience. To 
dismantle the evil and plant and build the good. God didn't say to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, stand back and watch what I'm going to do. I am going to overthrow, uproot, tear down, and destroy evil. And I'm going to build and plant my word and my kingdom. That's not what he said. He said, Jeremiah, see, today I have appointed you to uproot, tear down, overthrow, and destroy, and to build and to plant. God can do it all by himself, but his word shows us his ways. He chooses not to. He works with people. And so I want to take a few moments here tonight. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And however this word is hitting your heart tonight, I believe this. I believe that God is looking for some Jeremiah's, some young men and some young women who would say, I'm going to overcome the insecurity and the intimidation that tries to silence me. And I'm willing for God to use me as a weeping prophet that would speak uncomfortable truths wherever he would send me. Listen, the call of God isn't selective. Lord, wherever you would send me. Do you know we need some godly Christian people in media, in politics, in the legal realm, in business and industry, in sports and athletics? We and we need pastors and we need church leaders, but we need some people who have a sense of calling in their vocation as well. They, wherever you would send me. Can I tell you something? There are places that you go every day. I'm not there. I can't go there, but you can. And I believe that God's looking for some Jeremiah's who'd say, Lord, I'm done arguing with you. If you'll use someone young, not great at talky like me, if you'd use someone like Jeremiah, if you'd use someone like Moses, if you'd use anyone, Lord, you can use me. If that's what's in your heart tonight, I, I want you to turn this altar into a place of prayer. I want you to just come and say yes to the Lord and seek him. Would you do that? It might not be a lot of people, but if you're in your, in your heart saying, God, I want an anointing of courage. I need a touch from you. I need your word in my heart and in my mouth. I'm asking you, Lord, to send me Listen, it's not in your own power and in your own ambition. It's saying, God, send me into this generation with your hand upon me. Would you come and seek the Lord and just make a place of prayer here? I want to pray over you. I want to pray over everyone in this room. There are others who are still feeling to come. Why not? Why not? Why not give God some time here tonight and just say, Lord, I don't want to just live the North American dream. I want to fulfill your dream. I want to fulfill your heart. The team's going to lead us gently in worship, and we're going to just take some time to respond in prayer. But I want to pray over you tonight. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word that is alive your word that is truth, and your word that, Lord, is truth in every generation. I thank you that your word is enough, God. It's been enough over thousands of years as followers of you have risen and fallen and as empires have risen and fallen and as regimes have come even against the church, but 
Lord, yet here we stand as inheritors of this kingdom because, Lord, your kingdom will not be destroyed. It's an everlasting dominion. And when we say, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done, Lord, we're, we're not just saying it in some ethereal way. We're saying, God, would you do that here in Grimsby and in St. Catharines and Burlington and Oakville in the, all the surrounding area, Lord, would you, would you let your kingdom come, Lord, in our school? Would you let it come in our work? Would you let it come in my family? Would you let it come in my dreams? Would you let it come, Lord, as I'm, as I'm going through school for whatever? God, would you put your hand on me? Would you touch me? And, Lord, make me, make me like a Jeremiah in that realm that you're calling me to. I don't want to just do a job. I want to fulfill a calling. And let the tears flow as I speak uncomfortable truths. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart, Lord, for the people that don't know Jesus. Break my heart for my generation. Come on, if you're praying with me, I want you to lift your hands right now. Pray this out with me. God, break my heart for my generation. Lord, help me to see this generation the way you do. God, give me the tears of heaven. Lord, for a generation that's harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, God, break my heart. For people, Lord, that are just, just caught in the lies, in the spirit of this age, Lord, would you put your word in me? Would you touch my mouth? Would you, Lord, do a work in me by your spirit? Give me courage. Break intimidation off of me. Fill me with your spirit, God, I pray. Come on, let's seek him. Let's pray. Let's let the burden of the Lord touch our hearts tonight in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. For more information, please visit us at lakemount.ca or follow us on Instagram at lakemountya. Have an amazing week and we hope to see you soon.